stand in awe of who you are, Father. Father, we fix our eyes on Jesus. Lord, and we come in this place tonight to gather together with you. Hear you speak and to respond. Not even as Jesus said to the churches in Revelation 2 and 3, he who has ears to hear. Let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. He who has ears to hear. Not ears, but ears to hear. Father, may we know what it is in this day and age to be listeners to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Would our prayers be much more birthed from you rather than just petitioned to you? Lord, even as it says in James 1 about not getting angry, it says, quick to listen slow to speak Lord I I wonder if that's even at times how you want us to approach prayer and your word but we're quick to listen we're not rushing to us saying our thing we want to be listeners we want to be listeners Right now, we just breathe in deeply the goodness of God in this room. We acknowledge you're here. Thank you for your presence. As we sing, I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. Lord, you have been good to us.
clear you are our all-sufficiency, our all in all. God in this. Amen. Isn't God's presence delightful? When you God's presence is not something separate from God. We've got to be careful. Can I just have a little bit more of the keyboard? That'd be great. God's presence is not something from Him. It's an expression of Him. It's like the anointing. It's not something separate. There's not four persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and anointing. The anointing is just the manifestation, the moving of the Spirit of God. And in this place, I just feel His presence is refreshing. I think Father likes to do His people good. Amen. Really, really does, and I want to commend you for coming out tonight, expecting God to speak. And what I want to do is just in the last 15 20 minutes before I got picked up, I felt Father just start to speak to me a couple things. I wasn't going to share, but He's going to share a couple things, then we might pray for a couple people, something like that. Is that cool? some way I'm preaching to the choir, the converter, because you're here tonight. But sometimes God's looking for a remnant. He's looking for a small group of ones that say, yes, 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 Lord. Is anyone here tonight that is a yes, Lord, in your spirit? A yes, Lord, in your spirit. You might say, what am I saying yes to? Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. You know the word Lord? literally means supreme in authority that is controller I wonder if sometimes we want Jesus to be savior more than we want him to be lord in the church I don't want to go to hell I want to go to heaven I want to know the father save me save me but let me do what I want God's looking for some people to say yes lord I don't know, maybe some of us need to get those a texture or your wife's lipstick or I don't know what and write on your mirror and at home and just say those two words, yes Lord. Every day you get up, yes Lord. Yes Lord. Yes Lord. Yes Lord. Just a couple of little thoughts. And going through my 
spirit right now. And the first is that I believe God is looking for some believing believers. I think there's a big difference between believing in God and believing God. I think if you're a Christian, you believe in God. But I wonder if at times we struggle believing God. I want to be a yes, Lord. We sang about yes and amen. All God's promises. We sang the line of the song which I hadn't heard before. This, I came here. I will rest in your promises. My confidence in your faithfulness. You've, done, you've been faithful throughout the years. Isn't that what God said to Moses with the children of Israel when they... When they went through the Red Sea and came in, he said, make sure you set up some memorial stones because otherwise you, you're going to forget what I did and you're going to start complaining. Maybe God's brought us here to die and they did it anyway, didn't they? It's like even if we remember, we still got, come on, God, come on, God, come on, God. And I wonder if there's anyone that will join me tonight So I want to be a believing believer. Not just one who believes in God, but I believe God thinking what are you actually talking about I'm, I'm saying if God says something that I choose to believe it if God says something I choose to believe it in Matthew 22 and verse 37 where the great command I mentioned this morning just love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind mind and strength we should be loving God with our mind Sometimes Pentecostals are accused of being all about emotion and feeling and they don't think. Where some of the traditional churches, they think and they don't feel. It's not one or, it's both and. With all your heart, your heart, your feeling, your heart, soul, mind and strength, everything, 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 everything. That said, If we're going to be a believing believer, then we need to live out of our mind. Sometimes people say as Christians, man, you guys are out of your mind. Well, I surely hope so. I surely hope so. Because if I start to try to comprehend and understand and work out all that Father says before I step out, I ain't moving. Don't tell me Peter wasn't out of his mind when he stepped out of that boat on the middle of an ocean. He was stark raving out of his mind. My dad's always said that everyone wants to walk on water, but not many people want to get out of the boat. God's looking for some people that will be live out of their mind. It's like people say, Christians, you guys are just brainwashed again. I, I surely hope so. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Father, what do you say? I want to believe it and come into agreement with it. I want to be a believing believer. One who loves God with all my mind, but I don't let the gift. Your mind is a gift from God. God says, I want you to love, you, love me with all your mind, which is a gift from me, but don't allow the gift from me to get in the way of you actually believing me. 
There's a scripture I want to read in John 14. John 14, verse 12. This is Jesus talking. Powerful passage. How many people know that everything Jesus says is pretty powerful? But I'm gripped by this, just as I'm talking about being a believing believer. One who lives saying, God, if you say it, I believe it. Great theologian called Kevin Connor says, If God said, I believe it, that settles it. I don't fully understand. But I will rest in your promises and my confidence is in your faithfulness. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And everything I speak is the truth. How many people know that? If God says something, I've got one of those Bibles where what Jesus says is in red. Anyone got one of those? How many people know that everything he said was the truth? Can I see? Hey, you, you, do you believe that? Do you believe that? It's, it's not a man that he should lie, not the son of a man that he should change his mind. It, everything he says is the truth. Yes? Are you with me? So I find it very interesting where just a few times, just a few times, Jesus, who is the truth, identified himself as the truth, and only ever spoke the truth. Says in verse 12 of John 14, I tell you the truth. Stop. There's a redundant statement if I've ever heard one. I need you to think about this. You might not have thought about this. Here is the one who is truth, who always speaks the truth, stopping in the midst of a sentence and saying, Now I, I, tell, I tell you the truth. That gets my attention. Because what is my starting point is, of course, it's the truth. You, that's what you speak. He goes, yes. And I know you've got a revelation of that. But I, I, I'm reminding you just before I say what I'm about to say, that I, I'm telling you the truth. Because even though you know I am the truth and I speak the truth, you're not going to believe this. And the truth is, I say this very humbly and I submit this there's probably no one in this room that at times has not believed this sometime in your life he says I'm telling you the truth anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing and you will actually do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. How many people get up every morning and say, yeah, that's easy. No worries. Raise some dead people, cast out some demons, walk on some water, walk through some walls. How many people understand while Jesus premises that by saying, I'm about to tell you the truth. So my question to you and I today is, do we actually believe that? I'm not saying, have you experienced it? I'm saying, will you join me in saying, Father, if you said it, it's the, well, Jesus, if you said it, it's the truth. It's the truth. Can you see why we need to be out of our minds a little bit? I'm not trying to persuade you on anything here tonight. I'm just, 
I'm just trying to communicate what I feel Father's stirring on my heart right now. He's saying, Steve, will you dare to believe me? What I say is true. Will you dare to believe this? I'm looking for some people who will believe what I say. Sure, I know you believe the easy parts and the good parts. and the, I know you believe much. But if I've said it, will you dare to believe it? Because he even goes on and says, you'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Listen, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I just wonder if if we'll be people that Say, God, if you say it and I read it and it says it seems impossible, can I pause and say, Father, help me to get a revelation of this and help me to embrace it and walk in it. Psalm chapter 2, verse 8. The psalmist says, ask me. This is God speaking. He's quoting God. God says, ask me. And I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. Jesus himself in Matthew 28, before he went back in verse 18 through to 20, he says, he says, God's given me all power and I've got all the power. I've given you the power, he tells us in Luke 10, 19. And he says, so I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of nations. Ask me and I'll give you nations. Make disciples of nations. We narrow that down, bring it down to hopefully one person or two people or maybe a family or two here or there in Wellington might get saved. And God is saying in his word, you ask me, I'll give you actually nations as your inheritance. I'm talking whole people groups. And we often don't believe that because we say that's too big. But maybe God is saying it's actually not beyond what I want to do, but just no one is actually daring to ask me that our prayers are so small and contained as almost like if we can believe we can get it okay then we can pray and God says well is there anyone that's willing and daring to ask and pray some bigger prayers are our prayers big enough for our God is God willing to give more than we're willing to ask for I'd hate to go before God one day and say you know I had so much more but you never asked This is, are you picking up my spirit? Is this okay? Nothing I'm doing is putting pressure. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm, I'm just pulling back the curtain and, and showing you the invitation of God to all of us. I've said some things and I, I promise to say, okay, I'm about to tell you the truth because this is big. You, if you believe in me, see, believe in me, you can, that's great. Now will you believe what I'm about to say? I'm, I'm glad you believe in me. Anyone who believes in me, you can actually do what I've been doing and even greater things. I'm glad you believe in me. Now, do you believe me? Now, do you believe me? Is it any believing believers? Father, help us. I wonder if before I just mention the other thing, can we just pause and just, just pray for a moment? Father, this is a spiritual thing. And we can't fully understand it or comprehend it and it makes no sense and it seems impossible. But Father, we know what your word says and 
You say with man this is impossible, with God all things are possible. You said that you can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ever ask or imagine according to your power. That's at work in us who believe. And then it says, and to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you people, God already, the Father already gets glory in Christ Jesus. He says, I I get glory in Christ Jesus. I want to get glory in my church. The church that believes he can actually do more than we can ever ask or imagine. And the power that's at work in us. So Father, would you help us be believing believers. And everyone who just receives that little seed into your spirit and is going to meditate upon what that means to you. Says amen. Amen. The second thing I just want to mention, which is a wonderful, wonderful invitation. Everyone say this is an invitation. (laughs) Is this statement, Father spoke to me in the hotel room just before I came. And he said it to me and he said it to ask you. And I want to premise it by reminding you of the words we sang, I will rest in your promises. My confidence is in your faithfulness. That's a, that's a good line, isn't it? So here's the question Father asked me and asked me to ask you. Are you willing to do anything Father asked you to do? Are you willing, youngest to oldest, are you willing to do anything Father asks you to do? I want to just read a couple of scriptures and then we'll pray. In Jeremiah chapter 1, this is part of one of my life verses, but I felt God draw me to something. If we're not careful, we live in a time where, remember I, for those that were here this morning, one of the comments I made was about living on both sides of the end of God, the mercy and the truth, that I do not condemn you, but go and live your life of sin. Does anyone remember that? That if we're not careful, we've got a large amount of the body of Christ on one side, but not the other on the other side, but not the one side and and God say no it's got to always be both and both and both and both and and one of the things I think we've got to be careful of in modern Christianity is preaching a gospel that says come follow Jesus everything will be alright really let me tell you my deep revelation on that you ready for this if I'm walking with God or whether I'm not walking with God, I'm going to go through some terrible stuff. So I'd rather walk with it, with God. That's the death of my theology on that. Is that true? You know, and and as our, and so when we say, "Are you willing to do anything Father asks you to do?" We need to not be naive to think He's only going to ask us just to do the nice stuff. It's just sort of glory. We float through life. Wings, halo, music, pick a key, any key. Um, But sometimes 
Father leads us into a spacious place. He leads us from glory to glory, but not everything He asks us to do is easy. And can I just say this by way of context to, um, to do nothing but encourage you? Again, people look at me at times and think, oh, it's all roses. Look at what He gets to do. It's just all glorious. I have to fight some pretty tough spiritual battles along the way opposition that doesn't want me to declare what I'm declaring. I face some pretty horrific oppression and attacks on my mind and my emotions and even on my body at times. There's even times I think, God, is there an easier way? Is this okay for me to be this transparent? Is this okay, church? Because otherwise we think, that's fine for you, Steve, but you don't know what I'm going through. No, respectfully, I don't. And you don't know what I've been going through. You don't know the times. I say it carefully, but I just need you to hear what I'm saying. The times where I've got up in the morning filled with the Spirit, ready to go and bring the Word of God. And I've been so riddled with just condemnation and heaviness and oppression at times that I've been vomiting in the toilet. And just I just feel like God just, and I go out and deliver the Word of the Lord. And push through the attack. And the things of God is an easier way. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I, that's not what I'm telling you that. Uh, we need people who transparently go on this journey together. And I wonder if you join me who, even this weekend, I've been transparent with your pastors. The spiritual opposition I've been under has been huge. Sitting in my motel rooms, and I glorious what's been happening. But I'd be quite happy to stay at home with my wife every day for the rest of my life. But not my will. Yours be done. Are we willing to do whatever God asks us to do? Not only the stuff that's easy and that we like and that blesses us. In Jeremiah chapter 1. Verse 4 says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And I felt the Holy Spirit take me back to this. This is something I read most times before I minister because it's how God called me. And in our sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. Just think about that in your own life. God calling you to do something again. You go, Ah. I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. I'm only, come on. This is common to us all in some way, isn't it? I remember a man called Moses. Come on, I want you to go. I can't do that. I can't even talk. A man can come and lead this army. I'm hiding down in the throat. I can't do that. How many times do we read? I can't do that. And I wonder if that in itself is actually not a bad place to start. felt the Holy Spirit just say then, as I said that, it's never a bad place to start, but it's a bad place to end. I appoint you as a prophet to the nation's sovereign Lord. I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to. And you must say whatever I command you. And this is something I've committed to God. 
And you apply this to your own situation. But here's the part. See, the call of God, I say, I can't. God says, yes, you can. And I want you to go wherever I tell you to, say whatever I say, do whatever I want you to do. And this is the invitation from every single one of us here tonight. Will we do whatever God asks? And this is the next part. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out His hand, He touched my mouth, and He said, I put my words in your mouth. Everyone say, that's God. That's, that's good, isn't it? But a little bit that caught me. Do not be afraid of them. I am with you. I will rescue you. You don't need rescuing unless you need rescuing. I just stopped me in my tracks before I came. Oh. Am I willing to do whatever God asked me to do, even if it means I need rescuing? That's a tough question, eh? Because I didn't come to play games tonight. And you might say, this is heavy, this is thick. No, 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 no. We're, we're talking about sometimes, again, we've got to be careful. We don't want just all the nice goosebumps there ooh, and just float out and then go back into sometimes the hellish attack that we face Monday to Friday. This army of God that God is preparing. Through our history, the moments where things have happened is people that actually said, yes, Lord, to whatever, and we're willing to pay the price. And I felt like God just said, I need to send out the invitation. Is this okay? Tonight to a people to say, are we willing to be believing believers to say, yes, Lord, to whatever Father asks us to do? Matthew 16. Verse 24 to 27. This is one of the passages that all of us love so much. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Matthew 16, 24, If anyone would come after me, anyone know this? you got to deny yourself. Oh, doesn't that suck? Seriously. you got to deny himself. It sort of reminds me of God's instruction in Ephesians to husbands. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and give yourself up for her. I wonder if part of what Jesus would say to us today in this invitation to say yes to anything he wants us to do. He would say two things. Number one, it's all about you. I love you so much I sent my son for you. It's all about me and you. And the second thing we say is it's not about you. True? I know it's all about me. Me and Father. It's not about what I do for Him. It's not about what I do traveling the world. It's not about that. It's not about me being a prophet. It's not about me writing. It's not about what I do for Him. It's about me and Him. I know it's about me and Him. But I know so much is about me and Him that He says, Now that we've got that clear, will you live a life that denies yourself when you're in your hotel room? And sometimes you say, you know what? I deny myself. I'll take up this cross. I've discovered my cross is never quite as vivid as Jesus' cross. He said, will you deny yourself, take up your cross and Come and follow me. 
And then, this is interesting, verse 25, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Do you know what that means? But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Whoever wants to save, think about money. When you save money, what do you do? You hold on to it. You keep it. So I've got it. I need you to hear what this is saying right now. Whoever wants to save, you want to hold on to it. No, 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 it's mine. It's mine. I'm going to hold on to this. You'll actually lose it. See, that's the opposite of the natural law. If I've got money and I hold on to it, then I've got the money. I don't lose it. I got it. But God's kingdom is this upside down, topsy-turvy kingdom. Freely, you, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. How many people know that naturally speaking, no, it's better to receive than to give. But God's way is different. He says, come on, if you want to, if you want to save your life, you got to lose it. You got to give it away. But whoever loses your life for me, you will find it. Can I ask you a question? Do you believe what Jesus is saying? For what good is it? If you gain the whole world, you got everything, yet you forfeit your soul. And say, if we're not careful, we'll just say this is about eternal life and that's all it's about. But look at the context. This, this is about if you want to follow me, come on, deny yourself. Take it across, follow me. Come, do it my way, not my, your will, but God's be done. Or what can man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels. Then He will reward each person according to what they have done. Uh, how many people know that you're not saved by good works? Does anyone know that? What's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9? For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. Not about works, so none of you can boast. None of us can boast. Isn't that good? Verse 10, people say, But now that we are His workmanship, we are created for the good works that He prepared in advance for us to do. We're not saved by works, but God says, Now that you're saved, I've got some works. I've got some things for you to do. Every single one of you in your world, in your family, in your relationships, in your life, Father has an assignment for you. I can't be clearer than this right now. Father has an assignment for you and my question to you to me tonight is are you willing to do anything that Father asks you to do he says if you hold on to your life no it's mine you'll lose it you'll lose it you'll lose it but if you say I'm going to give it away how many of you know that Jesus gave it away Jesus gave it away and who for the joy set before him endured the cross despised the shame but now he sat down at the right hand of the Father so that you consider Him who endured such opposition so that you do not grow weary, so that you lose heart. Keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the prize. The, the last scripture I want to read is in Proverbs eleven, twenty-four and 25. One person gives freely. One person gives freely. One person gives freely. How many people know that's what Jesus did? He came for God so loved the world that He gave. He gave. He gave. One man gives freely, yet he gains even more. Again, listen, naturally speaking, that's not correct. If I've got a hundred bucks and I give away a, a fifty bucks or a hundred bucks, I have fifty dollars or a hundred dollars less. It is not right. Naturally, naturally, you give. You've 
got less. But in God's kingdom, in God's kingdom, which is not the, um, the world's way, it says, if you give freely, you gain even more. And another withholds unduly. You, you, no, I'm going to hold on. No, I'm going to hold on. I'm gonna, and he comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. And he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Praise the name of Jesus.